0: But when we switched to the value-based pricing, just everything about how we delivered a service had to change because the, the pricing was so different. The way we talked about it was so different. The outcomes that we needed to get for people were exponentially higher, right? Because it was just different. And if you're selling the outcome, that outcome better be incredible.
1: How we price our services and accept payments is one of those business design choices that we don't always make conscious choices about. But it is a choice that can have a profound impact on your business and what it feels like to run. It just simplifies everything, but it can also have an impact on areas of the business that you might not think about, like your team composition or what they do day to day, or even what project management software you choose. I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit and increase your operational capacity. We've been talking this month about the operational benefits of value-based pricing and upfront payments, taking a close look at how those choices can make your service business way easier to run. So if you've missed those last few episodes, be sure to go back and catch up today. We're gonna pull all those ideas together and look at the downstream impacts of making that switch from hourly pricing to value-based pricing. The ripple effects of making that choice and how that affects your sales process, your proposal process, your profit, your cash flow, and yep, even the other software you might choose to use in your business. Before we dive into a specific case, let's take a look at a more generic example. Let's say you run a design agency. And let's say you've chosen time and materials billing, or rather, maybe you didn't choose time and materials building, it chose you because you figured that's just how it's done. So now that your agency is billing time and materials, you have this whole workflow that has to be defined and streamlined. You have to track the time and materials to each project. You have to be able to turn that into an invoice. You have to send the invoice and then you have to collect payment on it. That's a whole bunch of steps. And if you want to run your business more efficiently, you're going to have to figure out how each of those steps can become more efficient. But what if those steps didn't even exist in the first place? One way to make your business more efficient is by making a business design decision that eliminates steps. You choose to fix the problem before it even starts to make the change upstream, if you will, instead of downstream. For example, When you move to value-based pricing or flat rate pricing, you can charge your client up front. When you charge your client up front, you eliminate the need to figure out how to track time and materials, create invoices, send invoices, and follow up on billing. Those steps simply don't exist anymore. But maybe you choose to stick with billing time and materials for your agency. Maybe it really does make more sense in the type of work that you do, or because you're too new to what you're doing, to have really good, reliable data about pricing it. Fair enough. To keep billing time and materials, you're probably looking for a project management software to help you do all that work. And here's the problem. Because of the complexity of your workflow, the tracking, the invoice creation, the invoice sending, most normal project management tools won't work for you. They don't track materials, they might not track time the way that you need it to. And they certainly aren't going to help turn all of that into an invoice. So Asana, Trello, Monday, Basecamp, ClickUp, Notion. Those are all pretty much not an option without other tools added on. They're all designed for task management, not client management or financial management. So you're left with the software like Accelo. Which is great for what it does, it can actually handle that whole workflow, but it's way more complex to set up because there's so many features and it's way more expensive. So instead of paying $60 a year ish per user for a basic task management platform, you're looking at almost $1,000 per year per user for software like Excello. Or even if you decide to use one of the regular tools, you still need something like Harvest to help track time and create those invoices, which is an additional cost. So instead of $60 a year, it costs $264 a year. And with a team of five, that's a total of about $1,300 per year instead of $300 a year. That's a lot of extra money that could be added to the profit your business is generating for you. And it's a lot of time you could get back for yourself and your team. This is just one example of those downstream effects of your pricing decisions. Examining your default decisions about pricing and payments, and considering making different choices can really pay off both in administrative streamlining, but also in your wallet. There are real downstream impacts to your business from how you choose to price your services and accept payments that touch every area of your business. Today, we're going to talk about what those impacts look like in a real business. Rita Berry is the founder of Rita Berry & Co, a relationship-driven company focusing on metrics. For her, making the switch to value-based pricing had rippling impacts throughout all aspects of her business, but the end result was just more joy in what she does. Rita and I talk about tying your work to an hourly rate and how that can really start to hurt the more experienced you are and how value based pricing allowed her to scale her agency without having to step away from doing what she loves, building deep, long term relationships with clients one on one. Hi, Rita, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to get chatting. Yeah, so let's why don't we start with why don't you tell me a little bit about kind of what was going on in your business that made you decide to make the switch from um, whatever you were doing beforehand to like a flat rate or value based pricing model
0: okay cool well I, I the funny part is I, I always felt like I was doing a value-based pricing but I was really actually like calculating hours in my head and then yep. like charging the client for a project and so that was always how I came up with my pricing so even though from the front it probably looked well because it was project-based pricing I was very much looking at it from a kind of freelancer our you know formerly hourly employee kind of perspective so mm-hmm. um, it, it was definitely that in my head. And so the switch for me came when I started, like I was very full, I could not take any more clients. And, and, but it also wasn't like what I thought the margins should be, or what my free time should be, or what the revenue for the company should be based on being full, right? It was kind of that, like, I can't add more people to grow this, or um, I can't, hire somebody, you know, additional to do this work, because the margins aren't here. And so it was really that, where all that friction started boiling up, where you're like, there's literally, I can't move either which way, right? Either continue with this revenue, and maybe ratchet it up a little bit here and there, you know, through increasing my hourly rate in my head, and then the project, yep. right? But it was just, there was no which way to go. And I'm like, how do people grow their agencies how do people I just it didn't make sense with what the numbers were on paper and that was really when I realized that um, it was not so much the agency model that was broken it was the way I was thinking about it and I was basically acting like a freelancer in an agency and you know thinking it was something like that but it actually wasn't I was very much just a glorified freelancer.
1: So Uh, When you did decide to make the switch, how did you, how did that change how you approached pricing your services or packaging them together?
0: Well, it became, I think once we, like I decided this, this had to change so that we could kind of grow this or or make it sustainable, really, without kind of burning myself out. um, The biggest switch that happened, I guess, for like, just the way that I talked about it had to change because the price went up a lot. So then I started looking instead of this is the laundry list of activities that we're going to do on your behalf and this is what you're going to get charged. We started talking about it in a very different way. Like this is the outcome that we're going to achieve for your business and this is the price that that's going to be. And so it was just, it became a very different conversation. So it really forced me to think about it differently to start with, right before I could even have those sales conversations with people, and then talk about it differently and really be so much more outcome focused and really get rid of the laundry list of activities that we're going to do. Because (laughs) honestly, none of the clients cared anyway. (laughs) But there was always that need to say, like, these are the 100 things we're going to do because this is what the hourly rate is. This is how long it's going to take. But when we switch to the value-based pricing, just Everything about how we delivered a service had to change because the, the pricing was so different the way we talked about it was so different. the outcomes that we needed to get for people were exponentially higher right because it was just different and if you're selling the outcome, that outcome better be incredible right so that yeah. you could come at a higher price too so it, it really changed everything. From the business perspective, just because it really required us to rethink everything that we were doing and how we were talking about it, the results we we're getting for people, the type of clients that it would appeal to, right? Because that was another big thing that we noticed when we changed the pricing model is that we just started attracting different people than we had been before.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So when you made the switch... Talk to me a little bit about kind of the impact that that switch made on your sales, your proposal process. What did that look like before? And then what does it kind of look like now? So
0: well, sales before and the proposals before, I really, I just, I came at it with that hourly employee mindset. So that big list that I had, that would be like in the proposals, like these are all the bits. And now it is really, ch- so they were always very long before, and now they're a whole lot shorter. And the proposals really have become more of a kind of a persuasive writing document, I would say. You know, like it's more of like a copywriting exercise mm-hmm. where we're talking about more about this is, you know, the pain point, this is the problem the business is currently experiencing, this is the solution that we've crafted for you and, you know, to answer this problem and deal with this pain point. And then, This is what that service is going to look like. This is what that outcome is going to be. And the laundry list of activities is no longer there. You know, like it's just we talk about phases as far as like milestones so that people kind of have those dates that are really important so that they know that all the time frames are being kept and kind of what to expect. But as far as the actual nitty gritty bits of what we do, that's not nearly it's not even in there anymore. Like, we we have those discussions when we're doing the presentation, um, if a client is more curious about some of the technical aspects of, um, you know, marketing analytics and that kind of stuff that we do. But a lot of time, they honestly don't care. They're like, that's great. I want this end thing. So go get me like, that just, end thing.
1: Just do the thing. And right. Don't show me. <laughs>
0: they like show me what's not, behind the scenes. Totally, right? They're like I do not want to know how the sausage is made in the back, just like come here and deliver when it's finished. And and that was so eye opening because these are business owners that, you know, are very busy and they're they've got lots going on, very successful businesses. They don't care what nuts and bolts are going on. They just really need the data and the analytics to make decisions, and that's the outcome that they're looking for, right? They're not, they don't care about all that stuff. And so whether it takes me a week to do it or two months to do it is irrelevant for them, outside of obviously wanting to have the deliverable sooner, but the time is irrelevant. And, you know, the the other part with the proposal before was with all that laundry list, I always felt like there was a need to justify every hour. And what I've yeah, really, you're using
1: the list of things that you're right. doing to justify the value instead of using the results. Completely,
0: you know. And, and the thing that's kind of settled into me now, with having done this for like eleven years, is that I never built in all of the experience and all of the education I have, and like so much of my week is literally spent learning and researching and like figuring stuff out and talking to other people that are in the space to see what's working for them and like all of that kind of stuff is not built into anyone's hourly pricing. But the fact that there's so much experience and that I can see a trend and a pattern a mile away now that might take somebody else who's newer a lot longer, you know, like that never, I had heard people say, you know, (laughs) when they're trading dollars for hours kind of thing. But when I realized I'm like, oh, that's, that's true. That's That's, invaluable.
1: Yeah, that's what they're talking about is basically the better you get at your job, the faster you are, (laughs) the faster you are. And the harder it is to tie that to, Money And then your hourly rate gets ridiculously high because you're delivering all of this value and expertise and the fact that you are so good at your job and you spent so much time getting to that point where you can see the trends and you can see what's happening. It takes so long to get to that point, but it's so hard to quantify that value. And at least for me, I find that it's the stuff that's the easiest for me is the hardest for a lot of other people. But (laughs) it's hard for me to like recognize the value in that. 'Cause it right. just come, you know, it's just easy. It's based off of your experience having spent so much time doing it. Is that well,
0: I think it ultimately is the like the pattern recognition, which is something Mm -hmm. that it would be the most bizarre thing if someone would have told me 20 years ago, um, that pattern recognition is one of the most valuable skills, like depending on what your industry is, where you're going to see stuff when you're, you know, working with an agency, and you're going to spot it right away, because you've developed that skill to recognize the patterns of successful and non successful agencies, and how that how all that works. And then I've done that in, you know, other areas of marketing. And the fact that someone could pay you a certain amount of money to instantly see that trend. They don't care that it took you five minutes, because to them, that investment just saved them so much money or made them so much money, or is going to live in their business as an improvement yep. for the rest of time. And they would rather it take five minutes than five months, you know, and, and just Having the the interplay, like I have to get, like my clients have helped me see that value so much because of what they echo back to you, where like this is so valuable, and you know we've looked at this same data set and we've never seen what you saw, and when you start to get that feedback over to you, you're like, you know what, there is something really special and valuable to this, and it was really just kind of being open to to hearing that, and also just working with a a different kind of client who really valued. Just the skill set that we brought, um, which is also one of those big changes that happened when we started charging more. We just got a different yeah. type of client who really appreciated and valued what we did.
1: Yeah, and I think there there is a lot of value to working with um, a lot of times it's more experienced business owners, people who have been through trying to learn it on their own and recognize that a lot of times there's not it's not worth their time to learn what you know. And one of the really powerful things with working with consultants, essentially, is... they're going to be the best at what they do because they see it all day every day in a lot of different scenarios and you get to harness that benefit. Exactly. (laughs) I I don't think you get the same benefit when you're working um, in-house or in a single company. Exactly. You don't don't see those patterns as easily
0: right cuz you're always you're always in the same vertical or you have got the same niche going on and that's all you ever see and i found just to be able to you know see something in a local business and then you see something in an online business and you see all of these different things And then you realize, you know, what are the commonalities here of the really successful ones against ones that aren't and all of that stuff. It is so helpful because you're right. Like, that's all you see every day. It's just you're in there. That's all you
1: do. You're like, you're not really worried about other aspects of the business or like you're just doing this one thing and learning how to do it really, really well.
0: Yes. And, and it's true, like the clients that I said, the, the biggest difference I noticed was when we started working with clients who when they paid the bill, it felt like they were paying us their money versus working with clients that when they paid us the bill, they were paying the business's money. It was the big, that was the shift for us. Whereas like when I started to see that, I was like, oh, this person really treats this like they're writing me a check from like their kid's college fund. (laughs) And and that's how they're talking about this money and this investment. And it feels really tight. Like it's just everything about this is like scarcity and everything else to someone who's like, this is an investment. This is going to help grow my business. This is the business's money. And I believe in investing to, you know, make more money. It was just such a huge change for us. It was like night and day, really. Like, that's kind of when everything opened up. And and it wasn't something that I noticed right away. It was more like kind of that subtle awareness of like, oh, this feels so different. Like people that before we even got on the phone, they're like, I totally like we're good to go. Like, I know how much this costs. You know, I've got the service guide or whatever. Like, I just we want to chat for a second, but like we're totally good. And that started to happen, which had never happened before when we were worried mm-hmm. about hourly rates and, you know, dollars for hours and all of that kind of stuff. Everybody was nitpicking everything to this whole other group of client that's like, I already know the value and I, I've been looking like, for you, just, but just I didn't do even yeah, know that I was looking for you because uh, that's kind of like the weird business that we have. It's like people go, I didn't even know that anyone did that. You know and yes. so when they find out that people do do that i can relate <laughs> the same, right? what? this exists i should have hired you years ago i just didn't know that this unicorn um pranced the earth and now yes. and now they can and so usually it's a given right like they already know that they need it so it's the easiest sell ever
1: no i i, I love that so talk to me a little bit about um your onboarding process and how that works now with clients how do you Build in your invoicing and your payments into that kind of whole workflow. How do you approach that? So
0: this is like about a million times simpler now because <laughs> my my favorite thing was when I brought on um, my new team member who's going to be like kind of handling all the invoicing and stuff. She looked at all the clients and all the invoicing and she's like, I do not understand how any of this is working. We didn't have any SOPs for it because honestly, it was just kind of coming out of my head. <laughs> and different clients had different rates for no other reason than like maybe I just felt like. Like I was having a more confident day than that person <laughs> at a different rate. Like literally, like the most sound business practices that have ever existed. And... But I think that's
1: I think that's how most people. <laughs> Like, realistically, think, yeah. let, let's be real. I think that's how most people approach it. It is. Like, you're, if you're time.
0: having a really great day and someone seems really into it, you're like, okay, you know what? I can charge my real price for this client. And then if someone's like, oh, I don't really know. You're like, okay, we'll like discount this to the point of like, it's basically me paying you to work, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, can I write you a check to so that you can hire me? Like, it was just ridiculous. And having that outside view, right? Like, like having this person come in and she's like, why, like, aren't you doing the same thing for these people? And and just having that going, you know, what, I totally am. And I'm just like a little scared to like change things and everything else. And to make it so complicated that the whole goal being to hand off these processes to other people and and to have that team that was supporting the work and everything was so bespoke for no good reason right that no one else could do it so even when she was trying to invoice like we have to have like invoicing calls because i would have to go through everything with her and it was different all the time and there was no rhyme or reason so she couldn't take it off my plate it was literally impossible because things that were in my head that would impact an invoice were not documented anywhere because they weren't repeatable, right? So it was just, yeah. it was kind of a hot mess. So that was what invoicing used to look like. So <laughs> obviously everyone's favorite time of the month were like, yay, let's send random bills to folks. To now, we really only have two services, right? And it's either like the, the one-off big front project um, where we, we do the initial work for people and then ongoing retainers. And everything's the same now. So it has cut all the back and forth. My team totally handled the invoicing now. I don't even deal with it anymore other than like an odd one-off that's like, we're billing a client for some weird expense, right? Like, cause we do on sites and things. So if I'm mm-hmm. traveling and stuff, then that gets billed. So those sorts of things, which are few and far between, and honestly so much straightforward, right? You just send it off, make sure this gets on there. But yeah, it just, it used to take hours of time and also just mental anguish for everyone and now I don't even like know what's happening other than like, I get an email. It's like, okay, invoicing's done for the month. And I'm like, oh, well, isn't that delightful? (laughs) And it's correct, right? And so everything, not only are we able to charge more and feel really good about that amount of money and the the amount of value that the clients are getting for that money, it's also less work in the back end for us. And I mean, that's kind of like a win-win for everybody.
1: No, absolutely. And I think that's, What you kind of described is really common when you know founders are doing all of the things, and then they realize that they have to bring on a team member, and the team member comes in and says, "Okay, right, what's the process for this?" And you go, "Mm "Hmm." Good yeah. question. Okay.
0: It's like, how' do I make up every month? and and it it was so it was it was so obvious in my business because so many things were documented so thoroughly. like the the processes for the services and the onboarding and how we we bring like work with new leads. And everything had canned emails and templates and, you know, like time frames. It was so specific. And then invoicing was like, Nobody knows. So for her, you know, for the team member who is when she's coming, she's like, "If she initially just thought that something was missing, like she just didn't have access to something because yeah. everything was so thorough." And then this financial part of the business was not awesome, and and then also we deal with numbers all the time, so there was just a natural assumption that that part would also be like super buttoned up. I'm like, no, 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 we but make this up. I think this that's as we
1: I think that's normal. Um, really, that even in businesses where everything else is very clearly defined. Um, in my experience, the financial system piece is often just not necessarily taken into consideration or really looked at as part of the overall system, part of the administration. It gets lumped over into, oh, that's finance stuff.
0: Right, we'll just, no, it's we'll just very let the true. Fin- the
1: financial people figure it that was out. the
0: last thing um, as far as really formalizing everything in the agency. And yeah, yeah, it was by far and away the last thing that we got really super buttoned up. And, and one of the things that made the biggest change because it impacts everything. And I just really never appreciated that. And being that it was me for so long, and then all of a sudden now we're a team of seven, that that happened very quickly. And so you're trying to like manage all these things and, and get everything. And the majority of the people don't need to be involved in that financial system, right? They're involved more in the service delivery. So yeah. all of those operating procedures were took precedence over the other stuff. And I was always just managing it anyway. And then obviously, it's then it's like a weird little dirty secret that you don't want to talk about. And then you're like, I'm just like <laughs> put that over there and not deal with it. And then it won't exist. That sounds great. Um, and, and now to actually have just everything properly done, really easy, you know, and then me not having to have my hands in it all the time, and and also just for the clients, right, there's more consistency there because we can bill them, you know, the 23rd of every month or whatever. Like, it's it's always really easy and very clean, and they know what to expect, too. There's no surprises, and so all in all, it's a better experience for everybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So did you end up changing any other parts of your system or your team, because of the impact of switching your invoicing? Did you end up switching any other software systems or changing your team's compositions or duties?
0: I think, no, it was like basically I I allowed the team member, right? So basically I have one person who handles all the operational stuff. So she does some assistant work, but also you know just all of the admin, just the bulk Mm -hmm. of that and like emailing clients and all that kind of stuff. So one person that handles all of that. And it was more that before she wasn't actually able to do her role totally mm-hmm. to the ability that she could because I had like handcuffed her with this one piece. And and like morale wise, I know it really bugged her because one of her great, like the things that brings her the most joy, which is also why I love her, <laughs> and you'll understand when I say this is like, she loves to make my job easier. And that's how what she sees as her job is making me have to touch stuff less and think about stuff less and just have everything just work around me so that I can do my best stuff and that for her was incredibly frustrating because it's such a value for her. Um, you know and all the strength assessments that you always see, I'm like, oh look, <laughs> I'm actually making her really unhappy by not allowing this thing to be really seamless. So every time we'd have to get on a, a call and deal with this, she felt bad that she had to bother me with it. right? Yeah. And so it was this like just this weird tension, not that you know she was like gonna storm off and huff and like quit or anything, but it was just <laughs> she didn't feel fully in her capacity. and and that's nobody wants to be there right? So that was probably the biggest change is now she just feels happy and and capable. And the fact that she's in her zone of mastery, being able to take that off my plate, and and that it gets done really well, because she's also incredibly particular about all the bits, right? So it's really nice. To yeah, I mean, of,
1: that's who you want in your yeah. <laughs> operations role. <laughs> you want doing that? Somebody and like so, that. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So she now can feel that way, right? So I, she doesn't have to be constantly um, second guessing or double checking with me because she hates like, quote unquote, bothering me with something even when there's literally no other person on the planet that could answer that question. <laughs> it's not googleable.
1: No, I love that. So, talk to me a little bit about how this overall switch in terms of approaching your operations in a new way. How what kind of impact did that have on you as the business owner? How did that feel?
0: So, this is probably I think my favorite part of all of it because Um, For me, in all of my Strength Finder stuff, (laughs) everything, every assessment that I will ever take, it's all very kind of achievement focused, but also... I have a high priority around learning and mastery of skill sets. And, you know, mine particularly being analytics and paid traffic and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I would spend all day learning about that, studying that, testing different things, which ultimately is incredibly important for my job because that is, you know, what I do. And so what ended up happening was with being able to charge more, really simplifying everything, it allowed me to stop kind of watching the clock in the back of my mind and think, okay, we only charge this client X amount, so they should have like 12 hours of service. But I'm seeing this thing, right, while I'm doing, you know, going through all of their analytics or evaluating, you know, some of their campaigns and things, I could really assist them here, right? But I'm like, but oh, you know what, we're already over hours for the month, maybe we'll do it next month. And, and so, so much of that, like there was always that that tension. And I think sometimes find with retainers and things like that, there's a, a little bit of resentment on one end or the other, right? Because someone feels like they're getting a better end of the deal. Mm-hmm. And now with just kind of opening it up and saying, you know, this is the price. this service is technically unlimited. But it's we charge enough so that I know I can put my absolute best work in. I can go down rabbit holes. I can try to hunt for things. If I see something, I can pull that thread and really give that business owner the most value I can possibly give them without watching the clock because I know it doesn't even matter. Right. And so that freedom has been just intellectually for me as like, this is my best way to exist on the planet. (laughs) It's so much fun. And the business owner gets so much more value out of that because I'm not second guessing things all the time going, oh, you know what, this isn't, this isn't, I can't support this. And it's allowed us to work with a lot less people than, because we're not going for volume. I have no interest in a lot of clients. You know, we like small, small client load, really deep, deep relationships over huge extended periods of time. And, and that's, that is my happy place. And it's also been settling into, oh, I don't want to grow to X amount of people or X amount of revenue. I really want to have this be a really fun intellectual pursuit that gets other business owners that I really believe in what they do an immense amount of value and helps them grow like crazy and just finding that happy place. And that never would have been possible when we were just doing Hourly right, like not even close. And so now I think just everybody's in such a, a so much better place, you know, I have capacity to bring the team on so that all that stuff that I don't like to do, other people who do enjoy doing it can go and do that. Yep. And like it's just the business has never been so much fun. And and I didn't never thought I would say that a couple of <laughs> years ago.
1: I mean, that's that's the goal. Ultimately, we want businesses that we want to that we want to enjoy doing. That's I mean, that's why we're all business owners. Exactly. Um, <laughs> But yeah. I think sometimes we get so stuck in like what it should look like or what we should be doing or um, all of those bits and pieces that we forget that like we got in it to do to the do thing and, that and we these, wanted to do,
0: and, and that's so much the the transformation that followed the value based pricing uh, for me was realizing that you can choose. I mean and I intellectually I knew that, but it never sat with me until I realized that we do get to choose how it is that we want to do our business. And I don't want to do a course despite how many people are like, oh my gosh, you know, can you teach me how to measure my marketing? And do I'm like, I can, but I do not want want to. I do not because I do not want to support that course. It changes so fast. And I don't, you know, I love teaching people. Like we do that a lot with clients, right? Like when we're in Google Analytics Tag Manager, all those sorts of things, some clients or their teams have a real interest in learning more about it. And so that whatever, since we do love teaching and I love that part, but it's in a way that I like to do it. I really love doing it one-on-one, seeing the impact that it's having Mm -hmm. and, and just en masse is not. Where I'm at, and uh, and knowing that despite the fact that this is like modify, what is it, the diversify your income streams and all of this kind of stuff, I'm like, no, can I have like 15 clients and you know just do that, just like like I'm just going to love do them that. to death, yeah, know all their kids' names and like their dogs and like all like that's for me super valuable, and it wouldn't be for the next person, right? Like it's all kind of where we sit, but it was realizing that this is what I love to do. And now I found a way to kind of use that gift that I have in the best possible way that serves everybody. And and it wasn't a lot of it's ignoring conventional wisdom that really works for other people and other personalities, but doesn't work for us.
1: No, I, I, I just love that. And I really respect business owners who like you who just, this is how I'm going to do it. And this is what is fun for me. And I think the end result yeah. is it's It ends up being more fun to work with you because you're enjoying what you do and I think we underestimate that
0: and honestly I really did too like it's until clients started mirroring back that we had one client who recently just retained us for Facebook traffic and she and we had measured all of her marketing so we knew her Facebook ads were good and I had literally told her I wouldn't change a thing that is great everything's awesome on that end and she actually made the change and the only reason because i knew i know her numbers right i'm like nothing's bad over there and she's like i love the enthusiasm that you bring to my business she's mm-hmm. like sometimes you are more excited about my business than i am she's like and i just don't feel that my current provider cares that much and and that's the thing right like there's that is not tangible there is no line on a spreadsheet for that but it's true because one of our superpowers as an agency is in just unbridled enthusiasm. If we don't think that what you're doing is cool and who you are is an awesome person, I can't work with them because I need to be able to be that enthusiastic to have fun and to do my best work. So it's so often those are the pieces that we don't think about when we are creating our business. But when you're having fun, people can tell so much and they just want to be around you.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So before we wrap up, is there anything you think we should talk about that we haven't yet? I don't know.
0: I feel like I've talked a lot. <laughs> but um, I, I, maybe, like, I guess the only thing, the other piece that's really helped, not only in just kind of me being on this, like, whole self-discovery journey that is entrepreneurship, is that the team, as far as having people that aren't as attached to some of your mental garbage as you are, is really, <laughs> really helpful. So if anyone's kind of having that same struggle around the pricing things, and, and I just have offloaded a lot of it to my assistant and to my ops um, team members. And then also just other team members where I'm like, I need to raise prices. This is always really uncomfortable for me, (laughs) you know? And I'll write the letter and I'll do the work and then I will give it to someone else and say, do not let me stop you, right? Like this needs to get sent out on this date. And even when I come to you and tell me to, and I tell you to give it back to me, you don't do that <laughs> because I'm like operating from my best self right now. I will not be doing that later. So please handle this. And just having and whether that's like a team member or, you know, outside consultant or a coach or something, um, just having some of like the crazy reflected back to you as truly the crazy that it is was was <laughs> just that. so helpful for me because you're in it. Right. You're like, what do you mean? You that's are. totally rational. that's and i've
1: i've talked to um like some of my marketing friends about this where i'm like they can't like you can't do your own marketing i have a really hard time like doing me for me you know like the what you do for other people is so easy and then sometimes when you try and do it for yourself you're right like you're you get stuck in your own crazy loop
0: it doesn't like this totally makes sense like you know none of it does
1: just somebody else just be like listen that's kind of crazy just don't do that
0: <laughs> exactly and it's so nice like to just have someone look at it and say like this does not make sense and you're undervaluing yourself or you know all of those sorts of things that you just normally don't feel like you can give yourself permission to do that because it just seems you know indulgent or all of those kind of negative things we attribute especially with charging more money because there's mm-hmm. just so much of your personal garbage that comes up and yeah, it's just been it's been wonderful to have to have that outside perspective, even though it's like in the team. But just having those people that they don't care that that person's been a client for six years and whatever else, they're like, well, no, but this doesn't make sense. And this, yep. I'm just going to charge this person. And to ask those hard questions that they honestly don't even realize are hard questions, you know? Because when she came on and she was like, why is this person being charged like a fifth of this other person, and you're doing the same thing? That To me, I'm like, ooh, (laughs) yuck, thanks for calling me on my BS. But it was like, but for her, she was just like genuinely curious. (laughs) Like This seems strange, right? So having that, and honestly, I don't think had I not brought, started to bring on the team uh, and have have to really examine some of those long-held beliefs I had, uh, I don't know how it would have gone because that was so pivotal in changing everything.
1: Awesome. So where can our listeners find you if they want to connect or learn more about what you do? Well, speaking of not marketing,
0: because we don't market, <laughs> <laughs> social media is not an awesome place to find me because literally I do not post there. I consume and do not produce. Um, and I'm far busier and quiet in my little cave <laughs> where I like to hide. And uh, But I do have a website. Um, and so the agency kind of has an online presence there. And that's at co, And that's B-A-R-R-Y, not like the fruit and <laughs> dot co not a dot com which is also endlessly confusing just yeah a get it. i'm a
1: dot co too so are you and they're
0: like don't cut me like no no and then they're like you're, you're not getting your emails i'm like i think you're adding an extra letter
1: yep <laughs> been yeah. there done that
0: <laughs> yes exactly
1: well awesome thank you so much for being here today this was so helpful and i think our listeners are really going to enjoy this
0: awesome it was so much fun thank you
1: as rita mentioned Making the back end of your business smoother and more efficient can have a real impact on how much you enjoy your business. Taking a look at how you approach your pricing structure and reevaluating your choices might be a real actionable way to dramatically cut your administrative costs. It can free up your operations team members to do more valuable work or cut your software costs way down. It can mean getting paid faster and more reliably by clients. And it can even help streamline the sales and proposal process. Getting paid by clients is the number one most important part of the workflow in any service business. If you don't get paid, eventually you won't have a business. And re-examining how you get paid can mean more profit and a business that's just flat out more fun to run. Next week, we'll kick off our series on measuring growth. We'll be talking about how to measure your growth what to even measure in the first place and what to do with the information once you actually have some data. And if you're one of those creative folks who doesn't really think data first, we'll talk about that too. So make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player. So you don't miss those episodes. You might be pragmatic and level-headed about every other aspect of your business and still feel a real panic when it comes to money stuff setting a price, collecting invoices, following up on overdue payments. Money can make even the most sensible founders feel off kilter. This month, we've been talking about pricing and payments and demystifying some of the reasons that service businesses stall out because of money stuff. The way I look at it, the money stuff is just another way of looking at your systems. It's an opportunity to make choices that set your business up for growth. So instead of worrying about clients who don't pay on time or who haggle for a better deal, you can rest easy knowing your money stuff is handled through smart decision making and reliable automation. And when your money stuff is handled, you can focus on running and growing the rest of your business. Money stuff is the first thing I look at when I'm your growth advisor. I'll work with you to examine your profit centers, define processes that drive revenue and create automations that fuel your cash flow. We'll figure out where money's falling through the cracks and make it easier to get paid well for the value you're creating. I'd love to talk with you about your money stuff and how we can get it handled. To get started, shoot me an email at susan at scalespark.co. And from there, we'll hop on the phone and see if you're a good fit for a custom growth blueprint. Again, reach out to susan at scalespark.co. I'd love to help you break through the ceiling. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seifeld with production assistance by Kristen Runvik, And our theme music is Feel So Fly by The Rangers.